Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Thank you for joining us on Easy's Community Focus, where we look at the issues that matter in South Florida and the people and organizations that are making a difference. For those in South Florida who have parents or loved ones dealing with Alzheimer's disease or any kind of dementia, a very difficult order has been sent down from Mayor Carlos Jimenez in Miami-Dade County that goes into effect, uh, went into effect actually as of 11.59 p.m. Friday, closing daycare centers. This is adult daycare centers, not assisted living, not live-in, but the adult daycare centers where many people would send parents or loved ones during the day so they could attend to their own needs are no longer open. This is, of course, because of the coronavirus. We understand the need for the social distancing, but it creates a great deal of additional burden for a lot of people. So we have turned to the experts at the Alzheimer's Association of Southeast Florida to help guide us through this. Vice President of Program Services, Michael Pearson, and Program Manager in Miami-Dade County, Gloria Orlandi Cass. Thank you both for joining us. Well, thank you both. To you, Ellen, for having us, and Gloria, thank you for joining as well. Thank you. I'm sure people can call the Alzheimer's Association and use the website as a resource for guidance, but while we have you here locally, let's talk about what resources you can provide for people who can no longer take someone with Alzheimer's disease or dementia to a daycare center. Well, thank you for asking that. Go, I will go ahead and start, and then Gloria, please feel free to chime in. I, I think that, like yeah. you said, Ellen, probably the most important thing to know about the Alzheimer's Association is that our programs and services are still active. We have not canceled anything. We're still open to providing our free services and support programs for people living with the disease and their caregivers, as well as the general public that wants to know more about it. As always, our 24-hour helpline is available, and it's always staffed by master's-level clinicians in English, Spanish, and over 200 languages. That number, which I'm sure we'll repeat a couple times, is 1-800-272-3900. So any time of day or night, you can always call to speak with a master's-level clinician and a dementia expert. Here locally, we have all of our support groups. They've moved to meeting either over the telephone or via webinar. We're hosting uh, caregiver college programs every Monday and Wednesday. That's education programs for caregivers to learn about how to better take care of their loved one with the disease. And then on Tuesdays and Thursdays, we're doing what we call the virtual brain bus for the general public to learn more about the disease. Now, I was originally going to ask you a whole bunch of questions about caregiving, but I have to start with the first one. How do we instruct people how to do all these virtual meetings? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a great question. And so the the two easiest ways would either be to one call that helpline again, again twenty four hours a day. They can give you the information on these programs. But two, you can also go to our website and specifically our website for our local resources. So that's what we call the community resource finder. So you can either go to alz.org/crf. That's 
Community Resource Finder, or you can go to communityresourcefinder.org. Now, when you have someone with dementia, change is very difficult for them. What's the best way that a caregiver or loved one can explain to someone what's happening and why there's a change in their routine? So I would say it also depends a lot on the stage of the person. If the person is on the early stage, uh, they will be able to understand. And I say that because I've been talking to caregivers and even to the people with the on the early stage because we also have support group of people on the early stage and we've been having those also. And uh, and they understand what's going on. Uh, the individuals that are on the middle stage, it might be a little more, you know, difficult, but the caregiver has to explain to them to the level that they know they will understand. And uh, of course, if they're used to go every day to a daycare, now the routine will change. So that's very important to continue a routine with the with the, with possible. Of course, it's going to be different because they're not going to be coming going out of the house and so on. But they can do activities in the house, you know, with the caregiver. We can talk a little bit more about that. Yeah, please do. What are some routines that you can set that will help a person with Alzheimer's disease feel more comfortable? Talking now about the individuals that were going to the daycare, now they cannot go. So it would be good to know for the caregiver what kind of activities they were doing at the daycare, how much they enjoy those, and try to then do those at home. I would say, I mean, the association, we recommend that plan activities and having a consistent routine established will make this person with dementia feel more comfortable and relaxed, as well as give more purpose and meaning to his or her life. So these activities will help to structure time. They can distract from other behaviors, having the person engage in an activity. And when I say other behaviors, we mean uh, like uh, wandering or agitation. And uh, they can be provide mental stimulation. And also they can give uh, the caregivers and the person with the dementia an opportunity to do something together. So that would be there like a positive sign. And I can give some samples. Listen to music. Music is always great as long as the music that the person likes. Uh, color pictures, usually in the daycare, they do a lot of coloring, uh, word finder. Uh, they can look at family pictures, fall laundry, play dominoes. <laughs> Maybe sing old songs and reminiscence, reminiscing about things from the past. And also the caregivers can take a walk around the yard. So, you know, the main thing there is try to structure the day. If the person used to have lunch at 11 o'clock on the day, maybe try to stick into that time. If they used to take them, say, uh, at 10 or 1 or 3 o'clock to the restaurant, try to, you know, to structure the activity as much as possible to the routine that they're used to. Is it best to have the same person consistently working with a patient or is it good to involve the entire family and maybe split up different responsibilities amongst them? Well, actually, the positive side of getting other members of the family involved is because it would be good for the primary caregiver, meaning the main caregiver, you know, the family member, probably they're going through a lot of other issues. Maybe they want to work, maybe they're, you know, with no work now and so many other issues with what's going on. So I would say maybe they can get some people that live in the house also involved. And also some people do have aides that come to the house for services. Some of the aides might be able to continue doing that, others not. 
But to answer your question, yes, depend. Because also we want to keep the person as, as healthy as possible. We don't want too many people to come to the house unless they take a lot of precautions too. And we do have actually tips for caregivers. We have some topic sheets for caregivers to follow during coronavirus, tips on things that they should do in terms of precautions to take safety precaution to take at home. Are those on your website? Yes, they are on the website. Okay. It would be great to print those out, put them up on the refrigerator so that everyone can look at them and be reminded not only about being safe for the person with dementia, but for themselves as well. Exactly. And now Gloria mentioned uh, that some people have aides that come to their homes. Would you have a recommendation on how to be sure that you're keeping that safe? I think that what we really need to do is just individually, you have to really consider the risk and benefits. So if the caregiver is, say, they're living alone and they're the primary caregiver and they're completely exhausted, then having someone come in really could be life-saving. But what we should do is we recommend that people call their agencies and ask them about the precautions that they're taking. They might also, for example, maybe it's something as simple as having someone help them with shopping. That's something that we can still do. But call the agency, find out what their precautions that they're taking and really understand that this is an individual question and they should really consider their own risks and benefits, they themselves as the caregiver. Okay, perfect. So again, you guys are also there at the Alzheimer's Association of Southeast Florida if people have questions. Your website is alz.org slash seflorida. And can you give us that 24-7 helpline again? Yes, absolutely. The 24-7 helpline is one 800 272 And one other thing that I would suggest for people, if they haven't done it yet, is to sign up for your emails, and they provide so much great information. One more question. Are you still able to offer respite care for caregivers? So we at the Alzheimer's Association are not providing respite care. However, we, if you call the helpline, we can still connect you with organizations that are. So just call the helpline 1-800-272-3900 and say, I really am looking for some ideas for local respite care and we'll be able to help you find somebody. Perfect. And again, the website, alz.org slash SE Florida. Michael Pearson, Vice President of Program Services, Gloria Orlandi Cass, Program Manager, Miami-Dade County with the Alzheimer's Association of Southeast Florida. I thank you both for finding time to talk to us and really help us sort out these difficult things that we're facing. Thank you. Thank you. Joining us now on Easy's Community Focus, one of the people who has made such an impact on so many of our neighbors in Broward County. She is the president and CEO of United Way of Broward, Kathleen Cannon. Always a delight to speak to you, even under circumstances like this. Happy to hear your voice, Ellen. Thanks so much for having us on. Really appreciate it. These are very difficult times for everyone, including an organization like United Way that you do so much in the community, but you depend so much on assistance from the community in terms of fundraising and everything's had to be canceled. So these major events that would have brought in big dollars that you can use to help community members are just not there. You know, it's so true. As you know, of course, uh, here in Broward County, we really are doing shelter in place and lockdown. Everybody did have to cancel events, including ourselves. And we are one of those organizations that tries to support all the nonprofits here. So the need is so great. So many people 
um, reduced hours, especially hourly workers are being laid off and that there's so much is shut down. So many people are out of work. And one of our big goals at United Way here in Broward is what we call our pillar for financial prosperity. We want people to be able to make their ends meet and obviously put food on the table, but, you know, grow their assets as well. So we are trying to blanket the community right now with a fundraising effort, but we have already given 10 nonprofits emergency financial assistance to serve their clients who've lost wages. We want to be that gap or bridge before any kind of federal assistance comes. There are folks that were already slightly behind, and there's a statistic uh, nationally that 40% of Americans cannot afford a $400 swing either way. So it's very difficult to be able to support those folks at this time. And right here in Broward County, we have 50% of our folks that are really living paycheck to paycheck. So missing a day of wages or certainly a week is catastrophic. And we want to make sure that people don't fall into poverty. You've spoken before about the Alice population that you focus on, the asset-limited, income-constrained, employed or living below the poverty level. And we talk about there being one emergency away from disaster, but nobody ever imagined anything like this. We thought, okay, someone gets sick in the family or they have a car accident. No one could have imagined that it would be a pandemic of this scale that would shut down just about everything in the country. Ellen, you are so right. Like we're, you know, we're always trying to manage folks that have little emergencies and being that, like I said, emergency financial assistance to fill those gaps. But when the entire community is also feeling this and even nonprofits are feeling it. So we do have a fundraising effort. We're asking businesses that are doing well, of course, to contribute. We're asking even just folks, small, tiny dollar amounts will still help us deliver. We're delivering food packages to our seniors at our shut-ins. We are doing mobile food pantry lines because we can't have people congregate together. So we're asking them to kind of open their trunk and we're putting food in. That's if you have a car. Otherwise, we're trying to deliver, but we're also not supposed to be out and about. And no more than two people are supposed to be together at the same time. So we're finding creative ways to really support the community. And it's almost family by family and person by person. And of course, the fear is that and, and actually, we know we will never be able to help everybody. Um, right. So we're trying to prioritize. We're trying to, again, be that bridge and that gap, stopping some catastrophes from happening. We're going to help the community and our nonprofit partners apply for the aid that is coming down from the federal government. So we're also preparing to do that, which the sooner we can get them back on their feet, they can serve their clients and then we can start to serve the greater community again. So it's a big effort. People are coming together and I can't say enough about our medical personnel. Oh my goodness. Uh, and yeah. what they're doing and how they're doing it. It's been amazing to see um, how people care for each other. Yeah. And we're seeing more of that where people are helping each other, neighbors to neighbors, one on one. But you're able to reach so many people. And with the economies of scale, you can buy more food for less money. So what people donate to you goes much further. And the uh, United Way of Broward County COVID-19 campaign is not only tackling food assistance, but you're also looking at emergency financial assistance. Correct. 
we know. Uh, we did do here in the county a moratorium on evictions and foreclosures. However, it doesn't mean people won't have to pay their rent. They just won't be evicted right away. They'll have to make up their rent. And right. if they've already been laid off because they're a service worker, or a housekeeper, or a myriad of different businesses that really can't keep their folks employed right now, they are going to fall behind and they've never fallen behind before. You know, people are tight, but they generally make it. And we're going to be having a, an entire group of people come for services that have never had to come forward for services before. So we are trying to circumvent all that. Let's try to keep as many people possible up to date so they don't fall into arrears and then um, just get behind, you know, each month. So hard to catch up. Now, how does someone reach out to you if they need financial assistance in keeping their utilities on or uh, transportation or food assistance, whatever it is? Yeah, we're asking everyone to call 211. It doesn't matter what community you're in. If you call 211, you're going to get get connected to your local services. We're funding 211 to provide services and the phone calls. They know exactly who we have given the financial assistance money to, to what agencies and who can help them and help them swiftly. So we are asking folks to call 211. Okay, so there are, they may have to make one or two phone calls before they get to a person who can actually give them that money or that bag of food. Yeah, it's probably gonna have to be two phone calls. It's just been so hard because we can't, congregate together to do some kind of a, you know, a giant group effort, which we've done in the past. Like after hurricanes, we opened all the schools, we fed thousands in each school, Like you can't bring people together right now. So it will be a couple phone calls, but uh, the agencies that we have given the uh, financial assistance to have done this before in the past. They know how to do it. They know how to serve folks. And uh, we're confident that we're all going to do a good job. But people do need to be a little patient because the the need is overwhelming and the the calls are overwhelming at this time. Okay. So 211, a good central number to call. And I do want to mention, I spoke last week with the folks from Broward County Public Schools Nutrition Services, and they were talking about the food programs they've set up so that people can come in a line six feet away from each other if they're on foot or drive up and get a grab and go meal. Mm -hmm. Uh, You don't even have to be a student if you're under 18. You can have one for a family member that's with you. And they're doing breakfast from 8 to 10 a.m. and lunch from 11 to 1. And we have on our website the list of 47 different schools where they're doing this. Yeah, there's 47 schools and they're doing an amazing job because obviously, as we know, many kids and many families relied on the school for breakfast and lunch and late afternoon snack for their kids. And now the kids are home home. Parents are out of work, so they've got now no wages and right. two extra mouths to feed every day. Yeah, so, it's devastating. Uh, this, yeah, it is devastating. And the school has done an amazing job getting that up and going. And your help has been incredible for oh them God, as well. Oh my God, we, yes, we work so well together trying to support them, our medical personnel, of course, our folks that are out of work and the nonprofits. And we could use all the help. We're not taking any administration fee here at uh, United Way. So everything that gets donated does go right to these COVID responses and resources. And again, we've already delivered 
hundreds and hundreds of meals. We have doubled our deliveries to the food pantries that we're already delivering to. And uh, we've already gotten out. God, we had to buy and we did find a thousand rolls of toilet paper. Wow. For this. Yeah, there is no toilet paper. And there's like legitimately people that are out of toilet paper. So we were able to get that and other PPEs. We did buy lots of gloves and hand sanitizers. And we're even getting to go containers that some of our food banks, etc. can do these grab and go meals. We're just trying to be as responsive as possible for what the needs are right now. Okay. And one of the greatest needs for you to do your job is money. So the donations you can do online at unitedwaybroward.org. You have a special link where you have a whole section about COVID-19. You can't miss it. It's right at the top of the homepage. And not only can you make the donations, but if you need information, if you need references to the Florida Department of Health's 24-hour hotline, or you just have questions about, you know, Broward County and what are the laws and what are our restrictions right now, where to get food, everything is right there on your website. So again, unitedwaybroward.org to please any donation, like you say, every dollar, you know, we have how many millions of people living here? If each one makes a dollar donation, it all adds up. That would be amazing. Think of how many people we could help and serve. Absolutely. Yeah. Ellen, thanks for having me on. It is absolutely my pleasure. I hope that next time we speak, it's under better circumstances. Me too. And wishing everybody well. Thank you, our medical professionals and all people that are stepping up to do something. Thank you. And that includes you, Kathleen Cannon, President (laughs) and CEO of United Way of Broward County. Thanks. Thank you. Joining us now is June Ellis, Associate Chief Nursing Officer at Jackson Health System. June, you're in the midst of all of this. First of all, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you for asking. And thank you for asking me to come on your show and be able to represent Jackson. Um, we're, we're a little bit tired, um, you know, but we're in this for the long haul and we're all doing well. Okay. I'm glad to hear that because we know that our first responders and our doctors and nurses are right on the front line. And because this is so new to everyone, we don't really know how at risk you may be. And the numbers are just increasing exponentially. I was looking at worldwide. It took three months to reach the first 100,000, 12 days to go another 100,000, and then just four days to reach another 100,000. Now, that was worldwide. Now, here in the United States, in just over a week, We have tripled our numbers from about 100,000 to now over 300,000 cases. New York alone has more than 100,000. How are you feeling that you're going to be able to handle the numbers as they increase? Yeah, those figures are staggering. And when you really stop to think about it, it, it becomes very overwhelming. Here at Jackson, we've been watching since early on when this first started in Wuhan, And as you mentioned, this is a new virus. It's a novel virus, so we really don't have a lot of information. So all we have is history, and that history, unfortunately, is only two months of what's been going on. So we started planning early and working with our procurement teams and all of our departments, the whole healthcare system, and planning for what did we think we were going to need to successfully treat our patients here. So pharmacy was involved in that. So they reached out to their vendors. Procurement reached out to their vendors. We have brought in additional medications. We've brought in additional respirators. We have additional beds. Our emergency department being truly on the front line 
started planning very early. We actually were drilling, putting up tents before we even had the first case identified here in Florida. So just to be able to plan. So it's always, you know, it's always good to have all your plans in place, although we're finding it's changing day to day, but we do have a solid foundation to work from. So our tent has been open for a little over two weeks now, and our protocols are are pretty tight and very clear on patients coming in. We now don't let anyone into the emergency department until they've been screened outside first. So if they are screened for possibly the need to have a COVID testing, they're actually seen in the tent. Of course, there's exceptions if someone comes in, you know, with a cardiac issue or a stroke or something like that. Then they're brought right back to the room. But we try and screen everyone and then um, filter them to the tent first. How are you keeping patients who come in for an emergency like a heart attack or stroke separate from those who are there for COVID-19? That's a good question. We're very fortunate. Our emergency department is divided into sections. So because it is an older emergency department, we got lucky with that. Newer emergency departments are one big open space. So we have four different sections, and we've dedicated different sections to those that we have swabbed for a possible rule-out COVID. And then we have our other three areas where we're treating our day-to-day patients that we see that come in for other things other than a respiratory problem or something like that. Have you had to go through new training to deal with a new virus? We've had to go through a refresher for our uh, protective equipment, um, you know, our gowns and gloves, not because we aren't familiar with it. We take care of other diseases where we have to gown and mask and glove, et cetera. But we wanted to make sure everyone in this institution that was going to come into contact with patients was fully prepared. And even more so, we wanted to have that one-to-one with them so they were free to ask us any questions. We really want to keep everyone's anxiety level low. You know, if, if people are informed and they have knowledge, then they understand what they need to do. So we have drilled um, and done simulations. We have video. We've done one-to-one education with, with all of our staff, and that includes housekeeping, dietary, um, engineering, Anyone that could possibly come in contact with the patients, we've done additional training with all of them. Okay. And, you know, the education for your people is just as important as the education for the general public. And there's this constant sense that a lot of people don't take it seriously. Can you explain, once again, why social distancing and hand washing are so important with this particular virus? Right. So hand washing is always important. Hand washing has been shown to prevent the spread of all infections, so not just this one. So when we start, you know, getting over the hump of this, I encourage everyone to continue your hand washing techniques. Um, so hand washing for 20 to 30 seconds, cleans your hands. You, you know, if someone stops to think how many things they touch in just two or three minutes, you're touching your face, you're touching your desk, a doorknob, you know, a wall, a pen, And you don't know how many other people have touched that. So germs and bacteria and viruses sit on things like that. We already know that this virus in particular is droplets. So if someone coughs, the droplets come out of their mouth or they sneeze and they they settle. So they're going to settle on whatever object is around you. So it's so important to do absolute hand washing. 
Social distancing, again, for exactly the reason I just said. When people are coughing or they're sneezing, you know, we know it can go three to six feet out. So we strongly encourage people to keep a six-foot distance between anyone, especially when interacting with them. We don't want you to do handshakes and hugs and kisses. We're going to have to wait until probably, you know, May or, or June until we're doing that. And even then, we, you know, we're going to start looking at a different way of things. Mm-hmm. Handshaking, you know, maybe we need to look at something a little bit different. So we strongly encourage because this is what's going to keep you safe. And more importantly, this is what's going to keep you healthy. Okay, so a lot of people have said, oh, but it's just like the flu. And mm-hmm. we know that it's not, particularly with the amount of time, the incubation period, and also the amount of time that the virus can last once it drops onto something. I was astonished when I saw the Diamond Princess. They found virus still on things more than two weeks after the ship had been evacuated. Yeah, uh, you know, it's again, a lot's not known about this virus, right? It's very different than other viruses that we know about. Um, You know, I I think in what you're relating to, we know now that it doesn't live that long on cardboard, but it lives for a very long time on stainless steel. We're just now starting to find this out. And then, you know, with the the cruise ship, it's even longer. So the important thing is, um, you know, bleach down whatever you can bleach down, disinfect what you can disinfect. If you come in contact with anyone, wash your hands, disinfect anything that you're able to disinfect your phone. You know, if you're giving someone your phone to use, you should disinfect it immediately after. Um, We really have to start thinking about those things because this virus does live for a long time. Okay. Now, I know that in a hospital, you disinfect all the time. You wash your hands all the time. How the heck do you keep them from getting so dry? (laughs) Everyone I know has the same problem. I have to tell you, I'll be honest with you, the sanitizer is killing us. Um, Yeah. yeah, You know, it is. Um, so on my desk, if you can see my desk right now, I have hand, hand sanitizer on the right and I have lotion on the left. Right. So I sanitize lotion, sanitize lotion. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. There's nothing, but it's going to keep you safe. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then for, you know, people who want to help out and, you know, we can't go in person and do things aside from obviously doing our part to social distance, take our own preventive measures so that we're not spreading something that we may not even know we're carrying, how can we right. help? How can we help Jackson? How can we help people who aren't able to take care of things that they need to take care of? Well, you know, I've seen a lot of things in the news about people helping other people with groceries or, you know, doing quick errands for them, maybe walking the dog of an, of an elderly couple that's next door that can't, can't do something like that. Same thing with our healthcare workers. You know, we're, we're all here. We really haven't asked people to work any extra, so we're maintaining our, our same schedules right now. But everyone needs a little reprieve once in a while, maybe, you know, a, a thoughtful gift card, you know, just a, hey, I knew, know you're doing a great job. I know nursing loves to, you know, get their recognition to know that, you know, because we're kind of the unsung heroes, all healthcare workers. And right now, it's all of us that are un, unsung heroes here on the front. And um, I think just honestly, stay home. <laughs> okay. Stay home, take care of yourself. Don't come in unless you have, like, cough, fever, runny nose, shortness of breath. Um, You know, we're happy to treat anyone, any of our, our, you know, family of Miami-Dade. But during this time in particular, stay home and be educated about this. There's uh, just a ton of information out there. 
watch the news, pay attention, and only come in when absolutely necessary. Okay. Thank you. Listen, as far as I'm concerned right now, every day is National Nurses and Doctors Day. I mean, literally, you guys are risking your lives on our behalf. So thank you for that. We don't want to bog you down with phone calls when you need to be actually treating patients. So what I'm going to do is refer people to the Florida Department of Health the website, floridahealth.gov, and they do have a running list of counties that have, you know, the number of cases, it explains everything, and you can also call the COVID call center that's open 24-7 at 866-779-6121. Again, June Ellis, Associate Chief Nursing Officer at Jackson Health System. Thank you. Please tell everyone to get some rest. Make sure you keep your immune systems up and we're pulling for you. Thanks, Ellen. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Easy's Community Focus, where we look at the issues that matter in South Florida and the people and organizations that are making a difference. I'm Ellen Jaffe. If you have questions about the program or would like to suggest a topic, you can email me at ellen at easy93.com. And to keep up with the constantly changing situation with the COVID-19 coronavirus, for example, the new recommendation that we all wear cloth masks in public, you can visit our website anytime at easy93.com. There's even an easy step-by-step guide to making your own masks at home at easy93.com slash mask. Please stay safe, keep your social distance, wash your hands, and together we will get through this. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 